time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. We're going to talk tonight about prayer. Is that okay? Basic ideas of what I want to talk about tonight is I want to talk about the why and the how of prayer. Um, obviously, those are massive topics that we could spend a lot of time on. But in an overview sense, I want to talk on the how or, or the why we pray and the how we pray uh, so, so we can get some of those ideas uh, so that as we go do this starting tomorrow, as we begin praying together for the next year, uh, I want to start with some of the foundation of why we're doing that and the purpose behind it, as well as uh, the, the ideas of, of how we can do it and uh, sustain a lifestyle of prayer. So uh, most of us know this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think whenever we see in the scripture the phrase, this is God's will for you, it's probably something that we should listen to. Because uh, this is what God desires for your life. Uh, we're all at a stage in life. You're all at a stage in life where you're like, I don't, what does God want me to do with my life? Who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do? What's my career? I just need to know God's will for my life. Let me tell you, he wants you to be, happy. He wants you to be joyful always. He wants you to pray all the time. And he wants you to give thanks. There's other things he has for you too. But those are, those are, those are things that you can stand on. And so I want to talk tonight about praying uh, and praying continually, being men and women of prayer. So Jesus, I thank you for my friends here tonight. I thank you for this opportunity to, to gather together, to talk about you and to have you speak with us and to us. God, I pray that supernaturally you will unite us here tonight. God, that this truly would be a fellowship of burning hearts. God, may we cause one another to grow in you as we, as we sharpen each other, as we speak truth, as we speak life. May each one of us be alive in you. May our hearts be alive in you. And may that impact those that are around us. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk again tonight about the why and the how of prayer. And so first, I, I want to just talk quickly, and, and I don't have, um, just so you know, I, like I said, I have a lot in my notes here tonight, so I don't have a lot of stories and funny things and jokes to tell you. And uh, so I, I trust that you'll be adults that can handle not laughing for an hour. Uh, I did say an hour, though. That's right. Uh, so, but, but even in, as we talk about prayer, a lot of people, you know, kind of come into this community, this surrounding of people, and, and it feels like prayer is just something that, that has been around, that we've done, that we are, is easy, and, and a lot of people are like, man, this is hard for me, and I, you know, I remember, I, I've talked to a lot of people, they're like, man, my first couple prayer meetings were long, and, and when you say like two hours, that I have to be in a prayer meeting for two hours, that is long, and maybe it's easy for you guys, and maybe you were born that way, but that sounds miserable to me, because I just don't know if I can do that. And I just want to encourage you that that's where we all started. That none of us were, got into, uh, were, you know, busted out of the womb and were like praying already, you know. And, uh, and so I remember when I, was in, when I was in high school is really when uh, my youth pastors began to really speak the idea of prayer. And, and I saw modeled for me that 
the idea of a, of a life extravagantly given over to Jesus was one of, of prayer and it was by prayerful people. And so I desired to be someone who, who was praying and, and leading prayer on campus and, and because I saw that as like the radical thing, like radical people pray. And so I, I, I wanted to be a part of that. And so we would, um, we would pray on Wednesday nights and uh, instead of like for our youth group, instead of worship, we, we, we prayed and worshiped and uh, and so one thing that, that we would do is we would pray the Bible. And so that from a young age, I kind of got the idea of praying the Bible. And so I was every week really wanting to come with the best verse. Like I wanted to pray the verse that nobody else had ever read before. I was like, there is a, and I, I was like, there is a verse in here that no one's ever read. And I'm going to bust it out on Wednesday. And they're going to be like, whoa, that was an awesome prayer. I had really great motivations. Yeah, so I, I really began to dig into Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus because I was certain that no one had ever read those before. And so I was like, I'm going to find one that no one knows. And, uh, and it was really interesting. I mean, I, I had such bad motivation. I, was, I would sit in church. My dad was a pastor. And so I, was, I would have to sit on the front row. And uh, I looked so like I was just... I looks like, I'm sure he was so proud of me as I was on the front row with my Bible open, just so looking for verses. I was not paying attention at all. I was, I, would, I don't know what he said. Every Sunday I was like, man, I got to, Wednesday's coming. I got to find a good verse. I got to find a good verse. And I'm just like pouring. But you know what was really interesting? I had horrible motivations because I wanted to be the coolest prayer every week. Uh, but it was amazing how even in that time, uh, my love for the Bible began, began to become real in me. And I was like, this, this is awesome. And so even in my young, immature motivation, through prayer and through reading the Bible, it, became, it began to become alive in me. And so I don't know even why all of you are here. And, and some of you may have great motivation and some of you may not have great motivation. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is going to work in both of you all the same. And, and that by placing yourself in the place of prayer... Your heart will be moved by Jesus. And, and in that moment, in those, it, it is in that place that we draw close to him. It's in that place that, that he will work in us. And so I want us to be people that are men and women of prayer more than just because we're part of a program. More than just because we're in DLA or more, because, more than just words. I, I've had so many times where people have come to me and, and may, thought, oh man, you know, you Perkins, you just are, you guys are like praying machines and every time I'm like, seriously, bro? I mean, like, if you knew me, like, prayer, sometimes it's awesome and I love it. And sometimes I'm like, Ooh, you know, like, I'm like, let's do this again. It's not always like I'm just this burning passion. Like I wake up every morning just like, oh, it's prayer time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wake up before my alarm. Prayer time. No, like, it, it is a discipline. It, it, it does take time. But here's the thing is that. Really, the truth is that oftentimes what you consume is what you begin to crave. And so as we spend time in prayer, many of you this next week will say, this is the longest two hours of my life. I, I, I promise you that will happen. You'll be like, man, I mean, Eric Paulson, great worship leader and all, but uh, whew. We've been going for 15 minutes and I've grown a beard, you know, like this is, and that's just the ladies, you know, and, but I've seen it time and time again where you come in and in the beginning, it seems so hard and so, so stretching. 
And by the end, you're like, man, I, I just, I, I, I want more. Even, even last year as we began uh, night and day prayer and as we put the three-hour, uh, our prayer leaders would lead three-hour blocks. And I remember when we decided that that was the amount of time that we were going to go with, I was like, no one is going to sign up for this because three hours is a long time. And the truth is like, I don't know if I want to sign up for this. Three hours is a long time. And it was shocking to me how in in the course of that one year, it went from three hours being a long time to where I was longing for more. And I desired for more. And I was like, man, this, this it goes by so quickly. And, and, you know, people would walk in. And I'd be like, you need to leave so I can be here by myself because I, I only have these precious moments, you know. I could have just stayed longer. I don't know why I didn't. But, but I believe that it is over this year, uh, as we spend time in the place of prayer, we'll see our hearts come alive in that. And so I'm just, I'm saying that at the beginning tonight to encourage those of you that are like, man, you know, I, I'm really excited about being here. But the truth is, is that I've never really prayed longer than 10 minutes. Uh, and that was a long time of mostly silence. That's okay. Uh, I, I love that. And, and it's, it's I, I want you to even know, it's, it's kind of like we're going to have to work the muscle. We're going to have to stretch those muscles. Uh, this year, but but it is possible, and so don't be overwhelmed as we as we head into these prayer meetings. Uh, y- you can do it, and and I believe it'll become your favorite place. Uh, so, but but I think the first thing is is the question that many of us have is why does God want us to pray? Like prayer, I mean, if God is God and He's all powerful and He's all knowing, and and you know what what is the purpose? Of prayer. Why do we pray? And I want to encourage you. I want to tell you tonight that we say around here all the time uh, that, that we believe that the prayer meeting is the most exciting place that we get to be. Now, here's the deal. That does not mean that every time we're in a prayer meeting, we're jumping up and down like we're at an Air Force football game. You know, that doesn't mean that like we're like, you know, we have, people are like, hey, we're going to a movie. You want to go to a movie? And every one of us is like, oh, oh, I'm going to the prayer meeting. No, that's not, I'm not saying, here's the, the truth of it. The reason it's exciting, though, is because of the truth that when we pray, we are invited to partner with God in what he's doing. And that's an exciting thing. And the fact that he has asked us, broken, weak, dumb human beings... To interact with him, to communicate with him, to partner with him is unthinkable. And the fact that our prayers matter and actually make a difference, that's what the idea of why we say this is an exciting place to be. That's why we say that prayer really is uh, the exciting thing. That, that The fact that we get to change the planet from the place of prayer is, is pretty unreal. But even that is the question of why. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is the famous prayer verse. You can't do a prayer sermon without reading it, so I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. No, that's not true. It's 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. This is an amazing idea. The fact that God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray... If they will pray, then I'll hear them, I'll forgive them, and I'll heal them. 
He's inviting us to be a people of prayer. He's inviting us into communion with him. We've been, we've been given the invitation to partner with him. But let me tell you why. It's for his glory. God receives more glory by answering your prayers than simply by acting. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Therefore he will be exalted and he may, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. We talk a lot about us waiting on God. And, and, and that's something that we want to be a people that practice waiting on God and people that, that often spend time listening and ask, asking the Lord to speak to us. But I want you to hear, God is waiting on you. God is waiting on us. And, 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 and let's read why. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted. When God answers your prayers, he is glorified. He is exalted in a way that he wouldn't be if he just did what, what needs to be done. Does that make sense? So, he is asking us, he's waiting for us to partner with him, ultimately, that he would receive glory. Because it, when, when you ask God for something, when you come to the place of prayer, and you begin to cry out in prayer, asking the Lord to do something, and you see it done... What happens? You freak out. You're like, oh my goodness, you never believe what just happened. I just like, I was, I didn't have a job and I was so, I was complaining about it and I was whining about it. And I just, I was like, oh, I don't have a job. I need a job so bad. And God was like, why don't you ask me for one? I'm like, oh God, I complained to you all the time. And then I was like, God, can I have a job? And then the next day I got a, I got a job. God is so great. When we ask him and he moves, he receives the glory. But he, he, knew, he knew you needed the job. But if, if, he, if you don't ask him and he just provides the job, then you think that you're awesome. And you think, oh, man, I just was waiting and waiting. And, you know, good things come to those who wait. So I didn't go apply for anything. And I just, I just wasted my time. And then all of a sudden, one day I had a job. Because I am so awesome. No, no, no. What happens is when we come to Lord, I'm broken. And I can't do this without you. And I need a job. And he'll say, that's great. Go apply some places. And then you get a job and you're like, Jesus, thank you for, because you are my provider. Thank you because you are my sustainer. And it takes it off. Either way, he, he was the one that did the work, but it takes the focus off of us and puts it on him. When God answers prayer, he receives glory. So because of that, he set it up in a way that he has invited us to partner with him. He's invited us to take part in what he's doing on earth. And that is, that's exhilarating for us. For those of you that have seen, uh, seen prayers answered, for those of you that have, that have seen people that are sick and you pray for them and they're healed, uh, that's exhilarating, that's exciting, but it's God-glorifying. Like, I don't know many people, uh, when they pray for someone and they get healed, that then are like, <laughs> oh, did you see how awesome I just healed that person? Like, I just laid my hand on their knee and boom, it was healed. No, when we pray, prayer is humbling. Prayer is the place of humility saying, God, I cannot do this. God, I need you. And he comes in and he answers. And when when we see that, he's the one that receives the glory. 
So I believe that the reason that he has designed it to, so that we can partner with him is because he wants communion with us. He wants relationship with us. He is asking us. He, he wants us to have conversation. He wants us to be friends. And he wants to receive glory for what he eventually does. And so we get to partner with him. That's a pretty exciting thing. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. We so often are anxious. It's so easy for us to get stressed out. It's so easy for us to get nervous. It's so easy for us to to get frustrated. It's real easy for us to begin to complain to our friends about all the things going on. It's real easy for us to even complain to God. But he's not asking us to complain to him. He's asking us to pray. He's asking us to come with requests and needs. And he will... He is our healer. He is our provider. So God can do anything he wants at any time he wants. But he receives glory when his people pray for it. And, and, it, and it happens. And so I, even as we begin tonight, even as, as every week as we, as we pray together, I want you to know that ultimately, I, and I think this is something that, that even for myself is hard for me sometimes because um, you know, like sometimes someone will be sick and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I want to pray for them. But it's, it's hard because sometimes I think even in those prayers, um, I want to see them healed. Maybe because I have compassion for them. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, wouldn't this be sweet? Like I want to be a part of something cool and healing is cool. And so what if I prayed for this person and they got healed? Even in that wrong motivation. Our desire is that he receives the glory at all times. And when, whether it's healing, whether it's big miracles or small miracles, whether it's, whether it's big answers to prayer or small prayers that we pray, that God is the one that receives the glory. And the, even the fact, the truth, the idea that the omnipotent, the all-knowing, the God, the creator, wants us to be in communion with him and in conversation with him. Pretty unreal. It's pretty exciting. I think even uh, in my life, I've seen this. Uh, in the past couple months, one of the people that I've prayed for the most over the past decade, I've seen massive uh, transformation in their life in the past, in the past couple months. And, uh, and I have seen, even in that place, that ultimately it is not... Because I have done this incredible job over the last 10 years. But God receives glory. And I get the enjoyment and the excitement of knowing that I may have got to be a small part. Because I asked God to do what he already wanted to do. And he did it. And he's doing it. And he's receiving the glory. And so when we come together to pray. When we come together and spend time in prayer. Our motivation is the excitement to partner with God and the exaltation of his greatness. And when he, when, when we do see answers to prayer, he's the one that receives glory. And when we don't see it, he's the one that receives our faith and our trust. Because he is omnipotent. He's the all-powerful one. He's omniscient. He's the all-knowing one. So we get to be a part. Matthew 6, 9 through 10 says, This then is how you should pray. This is the beginning of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to be people that pray God's will. We want to be people that, that, that pray. The, the best way to get your prayers answered is to pray the things that God wants to do, uh, which is his will. And uh, if you're praying for things he doesn't want to do, then most likely uh, you won't see those things happen. But we've been invited to partner with his will, which means we've been invited to find out what his will is. 1 John five fourteen, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we have asked, we know that we, we have what we have asked of him. God is asking us to come. He, he, he desires to connect with us. And if we would find out who he is, if we would be in communion with him, I, I, I encourage you, next time you pray, begin by saying, Jesus, what is your will in this situation? And the easy thing to do is to just pray the big umbrella prayer, God, let your will be done because I don't know what's supposed to happen. But I think what he's asking for us to do Yes, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. But I think he wants us to ask, God, what is your will? What do you want to do? And that is what I want to pray. Charles Spurgeon is one of my favorite Christians. (laughs) He just is, you know, like he's a pastor, he's an evangelist, whatever. He's one of my favorite Christians. I just like him. It says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. We can have everything by asking and nothing without asking. And can we not see how important it is that we pray? And so I want you to know every night, every day when we come together, whether there's two of us, 20 of us, or all of us, it's important what we're doing. We're coming together to pray that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done, that his kingdom would be advanced on planet Earth. And he set it up in such a way that the way that he does those things is when we pray. That's a pretty exciting thing. So some of the, the why of why we pray, why does God want us to pray? It's because he wants to connect with us and he wants to receive the glory, not us. Okay, so one of the reasons that we pray under the why pray is uh, so that we'll have a heart alive in God. When Amy and I were, were praying about starting this prayer room and the idea, we, we had done for eight years, we had done corporate prayer meetings every day. And we said, what, what happens when we just take a bunch of you know, young people and we work it out to where they're in a room most of the time by themselves praying? What does that look like? You know, that could get kind of boring Prayer meetings are slick. We have a band. We have a leader, you know, and, uh, and it's real nice and cute. And, and the truth is, is that I massively believe in our corporate prayer meetings, but I also believe that it's easy to sometimes hide in the crowd of it. And it's in the place of, of, of by yourself, you and Jesus, that I believe that he so often comes and works and changes and, and does work in our heart. And that when we pray... That we are changed by our encounter and our interaction with the Holy Spirit. I took uh, Luke 24, 32. This is uh, Jesus. This is post uh, 
the death on, his death on the cross, and disciples were walking, and Jesus comes up, and he, he starts walking with them, but they don't recognize him, and they just start talking. And I think Jesus starts talking about his favorite subject, God, and he just starts sharing ideas in the scripture about them. And, and this is their response. They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? We're not our hearts burning within us. At the end of the day, prayer, what is prayer? Someone shout it. Communication? Talking to God? At the end of the day, prayer is talking with God. Which means it is dialogue, not monologue. Which means we do need to take time to listen. And these guys, what these guys said is, wasn't it crazy how when he spoke to us, he opened the scriptures to us, our hearts burned within us. That will happen. When you spend time with the Lord in the place of prayer, you will begin to be changed by him, discipled by him. The Holy Spirit will begin to work in you and your heart will begin to burn within you for things that you never thought possible. You'll read the Bible and it will be interesting. You'll read the Old Testament and you'll be like, whoa, this is cool. I mean, have you ever read the the Levitical law? I know people like this. I know people that that will, they're like, they'll be reading genealogies and they'll be like, oh, this is amazing. Do you know that this person was related to this person and that, this and this, and they're so excited. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And they're like, I've just been praying on these genealogies and it's incredible. That's weird. But that's what happens when we begin to pray. When we begin to talk with God, he begins to reveal himself to us and it actually causes our hearts to come alive. And so one of, I hope one of your great motivations this year in, in being in the place of prayer is your heart being alive in God. I want to write, or I want to read some of these uh, psalms. This is, uh, most of these are written by David. David known as the man after God's own heart. David, the, the psalmist, the, the, the worshiper. These are words he says. He says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. What's he talking about? He's talking about his words. He's talking about writing. He's talking about singing. He's talking about praying. And his heart is stirred by the most noble theme, God. The thing that causes his heart to be alive is thinking on God. Psalm 27. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. When we spend time in the place of prayer our hearts will begin to tell us what to do. Our hearts, rather than our trying to figure things out with our mind, or rather than our trying to live, most of us, and I'm not saying you, but most of us live based on our emotions. We live based on what we feel today, and if we feel good or if we feel bad, and if someone was nice to us, or someone someone cut me off on the way to the prayer meeting, so I'm going to be ticked this whole prayer meeting, because I'm in a bad mood. We live based on emotion, and I just... The heart is deeper than emotion. And here, David, a man who knows God, who seeks God's heart, a man after God's own heart, he says, my heart says to seek your face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I don't, I don't know, but there were moments where David had to say this because it wasn't what he felt. It was the conviction of his life. It wasn't that he was like, oh, my heart says to seek your face. Yeah, I'm happy today. I think, I believe there are moments where he says, God, my life says that people are trying to kill me. I just wrote about armies throwing spears at me and chasing me. Things seem difficult right now, but my heart says to seek your face. 
your heart will become alive as you begin to commune with God. And your heart, your motivation is about him. And he's the one that defines who you are. And he's the one that leads you. He is the good shepherd. Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. God will be near to you if you will call on him. You will spend time in the place of prayer. God will be near to you. Henry Nouwen said, speaking of uh, the place of prayer, he says, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Meaning when we get alone, just us and God, that's the place where our hearts, that's the furnace of transformation. That's, that is more than, more than hearing a good sermon, more than reading a good book, more than, more than anything. You being with God is the place that you will be most changed. That's the place where he will most lead you. And if you spend time in the place of prayer, if you spend time alone with God, then you'll be more able to be moved and changed and shaped by reading books or listening to sermons or other things because your foundation is your relationship and your closeness with him. Okay, so, so one of the major motivations as we come time and time again to pray together is because we want our hearts to be alive in God. And then, and, and then I'll say un, the third thing under the why is we are praying for God's activity on planet Earth. What I started off talking about, when we pray and he answers, he's the one that receives glory. But what I'm talking about here is the fact that when we pray, he answers. So yes, he does receive glory, but I want you just to even think about that. When we pray, God has set it up that that's when he moves. I... Uh, I saw a tweet by a celebrity recently, and I won't say uh, who it was, uh, but they, they, they tweeted, they say, prayer doesn't change things, it changes you. I think that's a, that's a very common belief that we live by, you know, and we think, man, when we begin to pray, just, it's this thing that changes us on the inside, and it is true, no doubt. I just said it, prayer changes you. But Jesus also said that when you pray, it changes other things. Jesus said, speak to that mountain, tell it to move, and it will be cast into the sea. He did not say, speak to that mountain, tell it to move, and your disposition towards the mountain will change. No, he said, tell it to move, and it's gone if you have faith. Jesus didn't say, if you pray, then everything you feel will begin to change. No, he said, when you pray... Things will actually change in the spirit world and in, the, in, the, in the, this world, in the world of, I don't know, the flesh world, that's weird, the natural world. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Not ask and you'll stop wanting. Not seek and you'll be satisfied where you're at. Not knock, and you'll decide you don't really want to go in. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. When we pray, God has set it up that when we pray, that's when he moves. That's when he, that's when, when he does stuff on earth. I love the quote by John Wesley. It said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. If that's true, then it's pretty important that we pray. 
And it's pretty important that we find out what God's will is. And we pray that. Because if he is waiting on us, in Isaiah, to pray, if he's waiting, and he wants to do it, but he's waiting until we pray, it's probably pretty important, not, not just that we find out what he wants to do, but then that we ask him to do it, so that he will. And I want you to hear how dignifying prayer is. See, prayer, it is the place of humility. It, it, it is the place of being on our knees and saying we are broken and we cannot do it on our own. But how dignifying that the God of the ages that can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, says I will wait for you to partner with me. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. I, uh, I think that it's pretty exciting that we get to sign up to be on the winning team and that it's ultimately not about how good we are. We just get to sign up to be on the, on the one that's ultimately going to conquer everything. He's like, hey, you want to come be a part? And we're like, yeah, that's great. I think I shared this with uh, DSM a couple weeks ago, but uh, I, I'm a big football fan and uh, OU's ranked number one. I just thought I'd let you know that. Uh, but I, there's a story of, uh, of a guy who was the, the number one running back in all the country in high school. And he was being recruited by Oklahoma to come play for them. And, there, and, and, you, and I was reading, and as one of the coaches was sitting in the living room with this guy, uh, you know, he had been recruited by every major college. They're coming, they're, they're promising him all these things, how, how well he's going to be taken care of, how he'll go pro, how they'll do so great if he would come to their team. Uh, this coach looks at him and he says, you know what? We're going to win championships with you or without you, but we'd rather do it with you. He ended up coming to Oklahoma, dominating. But uh, I think that the truth is, is that God says that to us, to each one of you. He says, listen, I'm going to win with you or without you, but you can come be a part. You, you can be on my team. If you knew who was asking, you know, like when you're in elementary school and you have, you're playing a game and there's first and second captain and you know who, which one you want to pick you because you know that they're the, real, the good one. You're like, please don't pick me, please don't pick me, please don't pick me for the other one. But then the like good one is going to pick you. And you're like, yeah, they picked me. Now I'm going to win. Not because of how good I am, but how good they are. This is how I, this, because this is how I would. I actually always wanted to be the captain because then I didn't have to worry about getting picked. I got to do the picking. And I saw it on everybody's faces. Oh, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. No, I'll just... I know, feel bad for me, no. God is saying, come be a part. I want you to be a part. He's the one that does the work. So he's the one that receives the glory. But we get to partner with him. Okay, I gotta hurry up. So when we pray, God moves on earth. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And it goes on to say, and when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Let's not ask with wrong motives. Every time we join together to pray this year, let's be people that say, okay, God, what is your will? What do you want us to pray? And I want the motive of your kingdom advancing and the motive of you receiving glory. I'm not going to pray. And this is hard in our, in our personal life. When we, it's easy for us to say, God, I, I pray for this promotion at work. Or God, I pray for this girl to like me. You know, it's easy to pray for the things that we want. It's hard to be like, okay, God, do you want this girl to like me? Oh, God, I pray she never likes me. You know, like, and she won't. You'll get that prayer answered. <laughs> That's not true. 
We want to be people that come with right motives, that aren't coming just so that we can say that, that we got what we wanted or that come saying that we can, so that we can say, man, we were a part of this really cool thing. I was a part of this awesome thing or I, I got to receive that. No, but we want to. Be. And, and there, there's a level of maturity in this. You know, it's even what I said. Like when I was, when I was a kid praying, I had pretty weird motives a lot of the time and God saw that. And he was like, man, that guy, he's so cute. He is so selfish, but I like him anyway. And, and that there is, I want you to know that God does see each one of us. But in our maturity, as we mature in him, I hope that we become people that begin saying, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. I want to pray that your kingdom come, not my kingdom, not AJ's kingdom, not David's kingdom, but that Jesus' kingdom would advance. Okay, so the, the, quickly... The, the brief overview of, of why we pray is because, one, that's the way God set it up. He receives the glory. Two, we are changed. From the inside out, our hearts are transformed. And three, God will move if his people will pray. If my people, who are called by my name, which, by the way, if you call yourself a Christian, a Christian, you're, you're called by his name humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land, forgive their sins and heal their land. Okay, so now I want to talk quickly. We have a few minutes left in the hows. As we, get, as we do this together this year, the hows of prayer, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is for each of you to pray alone. Pray by yourself. If you're not praying by yourself, then praying with other people often is boring, often becomes for show, it's, you're just trying to press through. So, so begin by praying alone. Pray by yourself. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's Jesus. I think that's a pretty cool promise. Jesus said, if you pray by yourself secretly, God will reward you. I don't know what those rewards are. I don't know that those rewards are always that we will get everything we ask for. But I trust that if God is going to reward me, it's going to be pretty sweet. You know, like I'm going to be pretty happy with it if God is rewarding me. So Jesus says, when you pray, go home, go in the closet, get alone. Pray to your father who's unseen and he sees what is done in secret. But Jesus did this himself, Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. If God the Son God alone to pray to God the Father. How much more ought we get alone to pray? Right? Jesus, if, when you look at Jesus' life, the way that he recharged his batteries, the way that he got energy, when he was stressed out, the way that he, that, that he coped with that was he was like, I have got to get alone with my Father. These disciples are driving me nuts. I've got to get up on top of this mountain away from them. Notice when Jesus went alone to pray, he told his disciples, he was like, hey, fellas, you hang here. I'm going to go pray over there. You guys just stay. You guys can pray right here. I'm going to pray over there. He, Jesus needed alone time with God. I, I'm speculating a little bit. He made whatever. But I think if Jesus needed to get alone with God, then we need to get alone with God. Mark 135, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
Jesus neglected sleep. Jesus put away the comforts of this world in order to get along with God and pray. So I believe that one of the most important things that we can do is pray by ourselves. I'm sure you've caught this. I, I, I love old writers and, and, and preachers. Oswald Chambers says, It is impossible to conduct your life as a disciple without definitive times of secret prayer. It's impossible to call yourself a disciple, to, to live your life as a disciple without definitive times of secret prayer. So real quick, the, the way I think that you will most likely succeed in, in praying alone is to schedule it. One of the things that we've for years encouraged people to do is to break their <coughs> weekly schedule down into 15-minute increments. Every day, 15 minutes by 15 minutes. And every time I tell people that, they're like, you're crazy. Like, that's really detailed. But what that does is that allows you to begin to schedule your life, and you can schedule what you want to do. We, we actually, I mean, we always tell this, but we, we told... Uh, our, our, we told a group of people to do this, and uh, one of the guys who was in DLA made his 15-minute schedule, and we were looking over it, and it looked really great, you know, like all week. It was very, uh, he, he was doing everything he was supposed to do, and, and he had scheduled on Saturdays from noon to 4 p.m. ping pong. <laughs> he scheduled four hours of ping pong. But you know what? It wasn't even Tyrell. <laughs> You know what? He also scheduled to spend time with Jesus. He also scheduled when he was going to spend time with family. He also scheduled when, what prayer meetings he was going to be at. And so, you know what? Four hours of ping pong, you can fit that in your schedule. Great. You know, maybe you should get a job, but whatever. That's cool. <laughs> so if you, if you begin to schedule your life, if you just aim for like, oh, I'm just going to live life and I'll fit God in where I can, then you won't do it. We all know that it's true. We all know that when we set a specific time, when we set an appointment, with the Lord, and we, then we'll make it more often than not. But if you don't set it, it's real easy to be like, snooze. Oh, double snooze. I like the quattro snooze. So set a specific time. And uh, last year, I think it was Brother Britt Hancock. Was that last year, the year he spoke four-hour sermon? Two years ago? He, yeah, that was an intense sermon. But I remember him saying, he was like, you need to make an appointment with Jesus. And you don't miss it. If you have to be late to work, you pay the price, not him. I don't know. But listen, if you will set a specific time, I don't want to get any, in trouble with any of your bosses or Tyrell. But set time spend, to spend with Jesus and make it sacred. I remember one time I called my dad and uh, he answered. I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? And he just said, oh, I just, I'm in a meeting. I was like, oh, that's great. Who are you meeting with? My king? I was like, wow, that's intense. <laughs> but it was, he had a meeting. He had it scheduled. You know? So set a schedule. Make, make a time. And if you will schedule it, then you're more likely to do it. And you won't, you won't hit it every time. You won't, be, you won't bat a thousand. You know? uh, but if you, if you schedule it, you'll do it more often than you won't. The other thing I think that will help you is to uh, actually make a list of things you want to pray for. Uh, is to sit down and, and you, can, you, can, you can Google these things. There's plenty on the internet. You can make it up on your own. You can do whatever you want. But if you will, if you'll make a list of what you're going to pray for, it will help you pray. I've used, uh, I've used the hour of power that changes the hour or whatever from Dick Eastman, you know, that, that schedules in five-minute increments what you pray for. And, uh, and it's awesome. And it helps me. And, and I, I, 
I pray through that for an hour, and I'm like, boom, that was an hour. That was great. You know, and 12 five-minute increments. It's fantastic. I know nobody that uses more prayer lists than my wife. She has so many prayer lists and, I mean, pie charts and graphs and lists and names and all these things. And, uh, but it's great. So, so maybe for you, may, I, you know, sometimes I'll write just a list of names in the back. You are really distracting everybody. <laughs> Everybody's looking at you. Uh, just a list of names in the back of my journal. And those are the people that I want to pray for every day. Uh, you know, and if they ever find my journal, they're like, why is my name in it? And I'm like, that's weird. I know. I don't know. But, <laughs> but make a prayer list. It'll help you. Okay. All right. I need to. Oh, man. Okay, praying groups. We need to pray together. We need to not just pray by ourselves. Okay? Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on anything concerning... If two of you may agree on earth concerning anything, whatever they may ask, it shall be done for them from my Father who is in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered together to my name, there I am in the midst of them. In the message, it says, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you together get together because of me, you can be sure that I am there. It's important that we pray together. So when we read in Joel 2, Joel 2 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call the sacred assembly. It doesn't say declare a holy fast, sound the alarm, and everybody get alone. It says call a fast and everybody let's come together to pray. So it is important. Even look at Pentecost. Look at Acts one fourteen. Acts 1.14, they all join together constantly in prayer. And then you read, you read a couple of verses later in Acts 2. Uh, that, so they're constantly getting together to pray. And then you have in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit comes because they're all praying in unity and in one accord. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and, and we see Pentecost bust out because they were praying together. And, uh, and then in Acts 4, uh, I won't read this, but, but Acts 4... Uh, the disciples were, were being persecuted. They had been arrested. They had been beaten. They'd been, and, and then they were released. And so they went, they got with a group of people, and they began to pray. And you see their entire prayer there. And it says that they prayed together. And at the end of the prayer, God answered their prayer by giving them courage and boldness and strength. So it's, we see biblically that we're supposed to pray together. We're supposed to come to, and, and, and so I have all the time, people will come to me and they'll use the verse I just used. They'll be like, but Jesus said we need to go and we need to pray in our closet. We need to pray by ourselves." And so... I don't know why we do these corporate prayer meetings because I'm supposed to just pray alone. And there is no doubt you are supposed to pray alone. But what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6 was not so much. He wasn't telling you that you can only pray alone. What he was talking about is the heart motive. What he was talking about is he was saying, don't pray so that other people think you're awesome. He said, don't pray in front of people so that, so that other people will look at you and be like, man, how great are they? Because then you've received your reward in full. So, so while I can appreciate your stance, if you come to me and you're like, hey, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to be part of corporate prayer meetings because Jesus said we need to get in our closet by ourselves. So I have a closet that I go to, and can I go to six hours a week in my closet at home and pray and never come to pray with the other people? And I'll say, that is so wonderful and great, and I encourage you to pray six hours alone at home. But no, you still have to come pray with us. Because it's not about Jesus saying you can't pray together. He's saying don't pray in order for people to be like, you're super awesome spiritual and so so we need to pray together we need to pray in groups so i just want okay i don't have time for this but i'm going to do it anyway as we as we begin to uh pray as we begin to have our corporate prayer meetings uh i want to give you just some of our furnace prayer meeting etiquette 
so that we can all uh, be in unity. I think unity is a massive thing for us to have as we pray together. And one of the things that will break unity is if we are frustrated with one another. And so these are some things that will help you not be frustrated with other people. Okay? So number one, when we come together to pray... When you come up here, we, we pray on a microphone here because this is a big room and uh, we want everybody to be involved. And so we come, we grab the microphone, we pray, and, and, and so everybody can hear it. That is your moment to pray, not preach, okay? I don't need your God time. I don't need to know the sermon that you're formulating. I don't need to, you to come. That is, when we come together to pray, it's our time to pray together. Does that make sense? So what I'm doing now is I'm letting you know so that, so that you don't have to be embarrassed when you come up and you start talking to everybody and the prayer leader comes up to you and whispers in your ear, but it goes into the microphone and they're like, pray it. Because that's what will happen. They'll say that. They'll be like, pray it, pray it. Then they'll kick you and then they'll be like, pray it. I'm trying to save you from that embarrassment by letting you know that this is not the time where we come and we preach to one another. This is the time we come and pray together, okay? So, so when we pray in these prayer meetings together, that's our time. To, now, listen, when you're out back there talking, when you're going to coffee together, man, I want you to share what God is doing in your heart. Although I will say that oftentimes we are so excited to share what God's doing in our heart, but he's not done doing it. So some of that stuff needs to simmer, you know? Like, don't be so quick to tell everybody the latest revelation you have. Uh, if, you, if you let it stay in you for a while, it'll probably go deeper. So anyway... That's, that's for free. Uh, oh, the other thing, the other thing is, is we don't need you to preach in your prayers. You know, some people like to preach in their prayers. Or, or they like to inform us of things in their prayers. God, I just thank you for earlier today when we went to Fox Run Park and the kid was wearing a blue shirt and white tennis shoes and he was mean to me. And what he, listen, we don't need all those details. You know, like, if, don't talk to us through your prayer. Does that make sense? Just pray to the Lord and let us partner with you. Let us join with you. Okay? Everybody good with that? Everybody understand that? Okay, the second thing, corporate prayer means keep it short and simple. Jesus even said this. Jesus said not to pray long-winded prayers. And uh, I love, uh, there's a book called Only a Prayer Meeting by Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he says a good uh, Talking about people that, that pray a long time, he says, A good cure for this is for the minister to admonish the brother to study brevity, and if this availed not, to jog his elbow when people are getting weary. That'll happen. You may be praying a long time, and somebody will be like, You're done. Come on, get out. Because what happens is, I know, like, it's good, but, but we want to keep our prayers so that we all can continue being a part. And anyone that's been a part of a prayer meeting probably knows that when someone comes up here and they're praying, you got a solid minute that you're like, yeah, that's good. Oh, I'm with you. Yes, Lord, do it. And about a minute and 15, you're like, mm-hmm, it's good. Yeah, right. You know, and, and once you hit the two-minute mark, people are like, for the love, we get it. Okay. So I want to really encourage, this is my favorite thing. My favorite thing is we'll do like rapid fire prayer. And so we're like, hey, 15 minutes or 15 seconds, <laughs> not 15 minutes. We're like just pray, pray for 15 seconds. And I don't know how people can gauge 15 seconds in their mind, but they're like about a minute 30. I'm like, I said 15 seconds. So be quick. That's not to say that you don't have a lot of really incredible things to pray. You can pray the same prayer three times if you need to get it all out, but, but, in, but do it quickly each time so that we can stay with you. Does that make sense? The idea is we want to pray with you, and we don't want you to bore us. So say it quickly. Be done. And if you got more, come up again. That's great. We'll be right there with you again. You know, we're the ADD generation. Just do it quick. Hi. Oh, wow. I got, I got more amens on that. 
give it space. Take time uh, in a prayer meeting. Three or four people pray in a row. That's awesome. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, but but what we ter- what we want to do is we want to interject worship and prayer, worship and prayer. So sometimes we'll have three or four people pray, and then we'll do we'll do a uh, we'll do a song. It's the same idea. Same as when one person is going really long. Sometimes like like. If, if a lot of people are praying quickly, and, and obviously the prayer leader will monitor this, but what I'm telling you is don't be offended if the prayer leader comes up to you and they're like, hey, we're going to sing a song after this. And you're like, I was next. I've been waiting in line and I was next. Listen, you'll get your turn. Listen, we're going to be doing this all year together. There'll be plenty of time to pray. But in order for the sake of everybody staying engaged, that's why we go worship prayer, worship prayer, uh, so that we can continue to pray together. So, so. And the other thing is, is uh, don't feel... Now, I know all of us have different uh, styles, I'll say. Uh, but don't feel like you have to pray like somebody else. And, 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 and don't feel like you have to just come up here and get it out. Like, like take... I know I said to be brief, but, but take your time. Like, if you're praying and the band starts singing a spontaneous song off your prayer, that's great. That's, that's good. You don't have to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Hello, I'm still praying. No, let them sing, and then you listen to what they're singing, and you'll be like, yeah, I can pray off of what they just said. And then you'll start praying, and then they'll start singing, and you'll be like, I can pray off of that. And so that's okay. Like, you can take your time. You don't have to be like, and Jesus wept, Father, we pray that we will all weep together to the Lord so that we will be friends together. Amen. You know, that's fine. You know, like, take your time, breathe, keep it brief, but breathe, okay? And then the last one, I, I know I said this, but uh, don't do anything for show. Listen, you're not, you're not going to, it's not going to impress people. We're not here to try and impress people. And you're not going to impress the Lord. He, that's what Jesus said in this, in this Matthew 6. He says that Jesus, he's not impressed by the Pharisees' big words that they used. So if someone prays a word and you don't understand it, you shouldn't be like, whoa, they're like really good prayer. No, Jesus is like, dude, you could have said that way easier, you know? Don't try to impress anybody by how long you pray, by what you pray. Don't try to do like me and find... Listen, every verse in the Bible has been read. I couldn't find one that no one had read before. So don't try to impress anyone by finding the secret verse that no one's read before. If it's a secret verse that no one's read before, it's probably heresy and not even in the Bible. So don't worry about it. You're not, we're not here to impress each other. We're not here to come up. And, 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 and so some of you, some of you, your leader may come up to you and be like, Hey, hey you need to pray in the prayer meeting tonight. Uh, some of you, the prayer leader will say, hey, everybody that's here tonight is going to pray on the mic. That'll be a stretch for you. That'll be, that'll be like, and, and the easy thing to do is like, oh, but I don't want to do it to impress people. And so I'm not going to do it. And so now what you're doing is you're not praying because of your own selfish motives. Listen, so, so we want to get you. We want to stretch you. We want to help you grow. We want, we want, there's going to be times where it is difficult. But even in those moments, you don't come up here and be like, okay, well, my, my leader told me to do this, so I have to do it, so I have to do it really good. You know, listen, you're, you're not here to impress anyone. Or I should say, some of you, maybe you do feel like you want to impress people um, in the way that you worship, in the way that you pray, in the way that you live. Uh, I believe that that's something that the Lord will begin to work out of you this year as we do life together in this tight-knit community. Because if we're, if we're living for other people's approval, then, then it's not good enough. We want to live for his approval. We want to live one thing I ask, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. We want, we want him to be the one that we want uh, approval from, not other people. And so, listen, 
If you're trying to if you're trying to be cool by by praying a certain way or a certain, it's everybody's going to see it, and everyone's going to be like, I mean, they're not going to judge you, hopefully, but like it, the truth is, is it, we're not. It's just not what we're here for. And so, if you're tempted by that, then I encourage you to talk to core about that and be like, hey, look, I'm really tempted to try and have a performance mentality. And so if you see me and it seems like I'm praying uh, out of performance, come talk to me and just ask me. Don't accuse me, but just ask me. And, uh, and let's try it. Let's try Because, listen, I'm, I just want to give you freedom to not live in performance, okay? We, I don't want any of you to. Um, okay, that's not all I have, but that's all I have time for. Uh, let me just say these last three things real quickly. Number one is pray the Bible. We want to pray the scriptures. That's what praying the Bible will make it alive in your heart. So when we come together to pray, we pray the Bible every time. Uh, we, every time we get together, if, if you can find a Bible verse then, then, and pray it, then I'm all for you praying it. This is part of the idea of praying God's will. Um, what this will do is this will cause the Bible to come alive to you. It will cause, there's no, uh, the primary way that I have ever memorized a Bible verse is not by sitting down repeating it over and over and over and over again trying to memorize it. It's by praying it. What that does is that gets it the idea in me uh, even more so than the grammar of that particular, you know, version. Uh, so, so, but we pray the Bible. We want to pray God's will. Uh, if you pray the things he's already said he wants to do, then you're probably going to get your prayers answered, and we all want to have prayers answered. So, uh, so when we come together to pray, we want to pray the Bible. Uh, and, and so let, let's say you want to pray for your sick dog back home who's dying of something. You can do that as long as you can find a verse that you pray before it. You know, and you're like, and God created animals. Jesus, you created my dog. You know how it was made, so we heal it. You know, that's fine. I don't care. But, but we, that's a joke. I mean, that's, I, if you do that or whatever. But, uh, but we want to pray the Bible. Number two is keep it real. Or number 17, whatever. Just be honest with God. There's, there's no point in trying to fake it. There's no point in, in uh, trying to, to conjure up really cool words or what. He knows what you're feeling. Some of the best prayer that I've ever had is when I'm driving alone in my car and I just turn off the music and I just start getting real and I'm just honest with the Lord. Uh, this is, we've, I've, I've mentioned, I've referred to this verse, but Matthew 6, 7, when you pray, don't keep babbling like pa- the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Oswald Sanders uh, J. Oswald Sanders says that prayer includes the simplest speech of infant lips and sublime entries of the older age. Martin Luther, the fewer words, the better the prayer. Fewer the words, the better the prayer. One of the most important prayers that the dude hanging next to Jesus on a cross ever said was, remember me. It's two words, and it changed his eternity. Um, so we can just be, let's just be honest with the Lord. Uh, Psalm 51, 6 uh, but you desire honesty from the heart, teaching me wisdom even there. God desires our honesty. He knows the truth. And so sometimes we like to couch things in certain vernacular and certain wording. And let's, let's just be real, be honest with him. Um, and then the last one I would just say is give it time. It's not going to be, prayer is not like an overnight, you're going to be like, man, I feel like this prayer warrior. Listen, I don't even know what a prayer warrior is. Most people that I would say are prayer warriors are 70 years old are 60 years old. They've been doing it their whole life. I don't know many prayer warriors in their 20s. There's people that pray a lot and they're getting there. But I believe it's, man, I, I can't wait. I think, listen, when we get to heaven, there are going to be so many grandmas that spent so much time on rock, in rocking chairs praying. And God's going to be like, man, this woman, she changed the planet. And we're going to be like, but this guy was famous. And he's going to be like, yeah, I know. But this one, 
made a dent. And so, so give it time. Uh, like I said, Jesus got up early in the morning. You know, he had a specific time and got up. He, he gave it time. A lot of us try to think that we're too busy for it. Watch me knee. This is the last quote. Maybe I have one more. Satan's strategy is to put everything related to the Lord before prayer and make prayer the very least important. So, so it's very common for us to, to try to be so busy with life that, that prayer seems like we don't have time for it. Uh, but if we will give it time, if we will take time and allow for a, the longevity of prayer, then it will get in you and the Lord will transform you. And, uh, and so as we head into this week, as we head into doing prayer meetings together, if it feels really long, that's okay. I don't want you to be like, oh my goodness, I don't think I can do this. Uh, you can. And, uh, and, and just give it your all, and I promise, give it time. And over time, it, it, it will grow in you. And I'm not saying it's like, I, for some of you, you'll never necessarily be the person that's like, oh, I just long to, today I'm not going to say a word. I'm going to live in silence and solitude and prayer all day. And maybe that's not, but I promise you, if you give it time, in honesty, in earnest, come before the Lord, there will, you will grow in your, in your desire to pray and, the, and he will give you words. He will speak to you. You'll begin to commune with him. And honestly, if, if, if prayer is like kind of boring and you run out of things to pray, good. Start asking him to speak to you. You know, and start saying, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? And then you read your Bible and you say, what are you saying in this? And you read some more. And then you begin to pray it. And you say, okay, you said this. Let me pray it back to you. So you can work that muscle. You can, you can grow in it. Jesus... I thank you for every person here that is committed to being a man or a woman of prayer. I thank you by the very nature of them coming and signing up to spend hours in prayer. That you will work in us, you will change us, and that you will change the world through prayer. God, I thank you for dignifying us by inviting us to partner with you. May we have humility in saying we cannot do it on our own, but we must come before you in the place of prayer. Jesus, I pray for your kingdom to be advanced in each one of us. Lord, that you would reveal to us the things in our life that need to be refined, that we would give those things to you and allow you to do the refining. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.